Hey guys, today's episode, I'm doing a cross promotion with Allie Prado of Infertile AF. She talks all about her infertility journey on my show today, and you should check out her show. It is truly incredible, especially for mamas. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, this is Allie Prado, a journalist and mom of two who lives in Brooklyn, New York. I'm the host of Infertile AF, an unfiltered podcast about infertility and building modern families in non-traditional ways. I went through four years of secondary infertility between having my daughter and my son, and on my show, I talked to all the different women, and some guys too, about the messy, frustrating, painful, heartbreaking, absurd, and sometimes hilarious journeys to have a baby, or in some cases, to not have a baby. Each episode tells a different story, getting real about miscarriage, egg freezing, sperm donors, egg donors, adoption, surrogacy, depression, endometriosis, IUIs, IVF, financial issues, that crazy jealousy you feel when you see someone with a baby bump, and so much more. We cover happy endings, soul-crushingly sad ones, and ones still in limbo. If you or somebody you know is going through infertility, definitely check it out. It's called Infertile AF, and it's available on all the podcast apps. And I promise you, it's never boring. Thanks for giving it a listen. This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Excited for today. I have an amazing mama joining me on my show today, as well as an incredible journalist. And she just has a wonderful, incredible, inspiring story. And I wanted to have her on to share all about that. I have the fabulous Allie Prato. And uh, by the way, nice name, Allie. I mean, <laughs> right? I'm only friends with people that spell it A-L-I. So yes. Can we just you... talk about that for a hot second? Like, life? like why is there a Y spelling and a double L and a double L-L-I-I? Like I have seen the craziest ways of spelling Allie and Allison. I'm just like, I know. Oh, no, it just leave it simple. Just A-L-I. Exactly. But do people call you Ali sometimes like Muhammad? Oh yeah, I get that all the time too. I just like yes. laugh and I'm like, hey, if I'm being referred to like Muhammad Ali, I'll take it. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> good company to be in. But do you remember, I remember be feeling so validated. Remember the movie Karate Kid from the 80s when oh, yeah, of course. his girlfriend was named Ali and there's a scene where, where they meet on the beach and she's like, my name's Ali with an eye. And I remember being like, Oh my God. I have to rewatch that. I do not remember that. And now, Oh my God. It's hilarious. It was Elizabeth Shue as like a teenager and, or she was probably in her twenties playing a teenager. But I remember thinking like, Holy shit. They, sorry, can we swear on here? Oh God, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Holy shit. And Allie with an eye. And I felt so validated from that point on. Yes. And I just want to like share a little bit, uh, you know, about you. So, you know, you have an incredible podcast called Infiltrated as Fuck, and it's all about, you know, just being obviously your journey and everything you've gone through, which we'll get into. You're a Brooklyn-based journalist and a mom of two. And like you said, you went through IVF yourself and you love to share with women 
and men about the messy, mm -hmm. frustrating, painful, heartbreaking, absurd, and sometimes hilarious journey to have a baby, um, or in some cases, of course, to not actually have a baby. Yeah. And, you know, you're just all about really bringing that realness and, you know, that understanding and so much of that soul crushing, happy, sad, so many emotions that go along with creating um, or trying to create life. And so that's why I wanted to have you on today because, you know, I haven't had this kind of story on my show and it's something to be quite honest that I honestly, you know, can't even pretend to relate to because, mm -hmm. you know, I was very blessed so with both my girls. I mean, with Amelia, it was like really unexpected, like got off the pill and was pregnant within like a month. And it was like, oh my gosh, am I really pregnant? Like I couldn't even believe it. Cause I did, you know, everyone tells you, oh, you know, you're on the pill for so long, you know, it'll take you a while to get pregnant. And that was just not the case with me. And then, you know, with Arlie, it took a little bit longer just because of breastfeeding and not really knowing my cycle and, you know, all those things because I breastfed Amelia for 22 months, but it was still like nothing like what some friends of mine and women I know and moms I know have experienced. And so I yes. really appreciate that you have such a raw space to share that. And I wanted you to share that you know, today. But before we get into that, I want to kind of hear just, you know, a little bit about you. I know you're a great journalist. Like you said, you are now a mom of two. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm completely honored. Um, and it's so good to talk to you. And I love that we hear this Arlie cooing in the background. <laughs> He's cooing and listening and smiling. I love that. Speaking of real and raw, like this is the real shit happening right now in real time. Um, and I just got the chills, like thinking back to breastfeeding, because that was such a wonderful time of my oh, life. I loved I it. I love that. Yeah, it was um, magical about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, honestly, and for sharing, you know, my story. And you know, we can get into all that, but I'll give you a little bit more of a background. And so, I'm from Chicago. Um, I studied journalism in college. I always wanted to write. I always wanted to tell stories. Um, you know, I thought I was going to be like an author at some point, but then I realized I really loved magazines. So my first job out of college was working with Hugh Hefner at Playboy magazine. Oh my God. Shout um, out. I did not yeah. know about you. That's so cool. Yes. So it was such an awesome, awesome experience. Um, I graduated, I started working at Playboy like 30 days later, and this is like kind of, you know, this is in the mid nineties to date myself. Um, <laughs> Playboy was like so actually iconic. Yeah. I mean, this magazines were having a heyday at the time. They had tons of money, tons of advertising. I mean, there were so many magazines. If you went to the newsstand, um, remember like men's mags, like kind of blew oh, yeah. up. And mm -hmm. so anyway, I was working at Playboy, which was really, really fun. Um, I was supposed to be an intern for six months and I ended up working there for 10 years. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, I was their music editor and I did a lot of pop culture stuff. I did a lot of stuff with the playmates themselves and the parties. And I worked really closely with Hef. Um, he was incredible, by the way, super. I was going to ask, yeah, okay, like give us a little bit of tea. What was he like? Yeah. Oh my God. I have so much tea. Um, <laughs> just I'll, in general, like people are always like, what was Hugh Hefner like? And I will say, honestly, he was so respectful of women. I never felt weird. I never felt disrespected. He was always like, he'd like call me like, hello dear. Like he was just like very hands-on and I had, I felt so lucky to be working, you know, alongside this complete icon of a dude. Um, so that was really fun. And then, you know, I got to go to the mansion 
a lot, which was really fun. That's where a lot of the tea can be spilled. It's <laughs> like just oh, some of the good way. So like what, okay, so you got to go to the mansion. I've only been there once. So, but you have. So, so like, what was, if, if you can share, what was like your craziest like story or moment of going to the mansion? One. Okay. My, the one that I tell a lot is that there was a night w- that we were there and it was the midsummer night's dream party. And the, the dress code is lingerie or less. <laughs> and <laughs> but I was an employee, so I could never look like too skanky. Like I always would, you know, I'd wear like something with like a robe over it, but everybody else was like completely naked because they were like models and celebrities and playmates and stuff. So I looked like Mother Teresa and like a nun <laughs> wearing like a full thing. Um, but one night Leonardo DiCaprio was there with his like pussy posse. Remember back in those days? Oh my god, <laughs> when yes. his friends were okay. like and um Britney Spears was coming and apparently oh, she was single that. at the time and Leo was single at the time. So there was like all these, like this whispering that like Britney's going to come and she wants to meet Leo and Leo wants to meet her and they're going to go off and blah, blah, blah. And so that happened, like she arrived and he and her went off somewhere. And then I remember just seeing her like storming out and like, leaving the party and we're like, well, guess they didn't get along. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. And I don't even remember what year this was, but um, you know, the early aughts, I guess, um, or like late nineties probably. Yeah. But they did not end up becoming an item, but it was just it been a cute item. what's that? They would have been a cute item. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But you know, just stuff like that. Like the fun part about going to the mansion was that you know, obviously the only reason I was there is because I worked there. Um, but everybody that was there was like, felt really safe. Like it was a very safe environment. There was no paparazzi, you know, there was no photographers. Um, so people would really like let their hair and other things down. <laughs> so like <laughs> things like shit got crazy, but people like, oh, yeah. you know, That's nothing, nothing leaked like out. That. There was almost like a code of secrecy that like if you were there you weren't going to like really give up the goods like obviously I just told you that story but that was pretty tame you know like there's yeah. other <laughs> shit that like I can't ever reveal you know oh yeah for sure yeah no but, I mean that's that's pretty much like what Playboy wants right like was, yeah so, so it was just it was fun and you know I got I got to do a lot of writing I got to interview people Um, and I just realized that, you know, again, it it all comes back to kind of what I'm doing now is like, I just love telling stories. I love talking to people and, and sharing people's stories, whatever they may be. So cool. I love it. So, so you you went from (laughs) working for Playboy and everything else and doing all this dope stuff with journaling and music editing and so much of their stuff to then eventually obviously becoming a mom. Yes. And now you're a mom of two. Um, yes. do you always like envision like going from, you know, that <laughs> crazy, amazing, you know, playboy life going from that, you know, working in that whole arena and industry, did you always see yourself like transitioning to a more, you know, <laughs> modern role of mom? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did always want to have kids, although I started late. Um, I didn't have my daughter until I was 35. Um, and you know, part of it was because, you know, I did work in magazines for a while after Playboy jumped around a little bit to a bunch of other ones. And then I became freelance and blah, blah, blah. Um, but at one point we did move from Chicago to New York. And that was like when I was just about to turn 30. 
And so a lot of my friends in Chicago were starting to have babies at that time. Um, but since we were moving to a new city where we didn't know anybody and we didn't know anything, we were like, we can't have kids right now. We don't even know like how to get around our new neighborhood. So we put it off, um, even though my husband and I have been together since we were 16. Oh, wow. High school sweetheart. So cute. <laughs> Wait, what about you and yours? What, uh, we've been you... together for, we've known each other for over a decade. We've been together for um, a little like eight and a half years. Um, and we moved from, he followed me from New York. So we met in New York, Heather's where we're originally from. And then he followed me out to Los Angeles. Okay. And how did you guys meet? We met through like a mutual friend. Like I was having like a little, you know, like mini little party at my um, apartment. It was only just really like a couple close friends. And I honestly wasn't even like in the world of dating because I had a crazy ex-boyfriend I was, you know, on and off with at the time and trying to just, you know, distract myself, whatever. And my friend was like, oh, I'm going to bring this guy. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like I've got too much drama going on the other one. He's like, oh, it's fine. He's super cool. And, you know, he brought him and he, he like immediately like tried to get my attention and, you know, tried to like get to know me. And I was so like on my phone texting my, you know, idiot ex, like all this stuff. My best friend grabbed the phone for me and she's like, dude, he's into you and he's cute. Like what is wrong with you? And I was like, oh, I can't deal right now. I got to deal with this. You know, and it was like, and it was so funny because that night she went, my best friend Nicole was so mad at me and she was like, you're going to marry him. And I was like, you're drunk, you know, <laughs> like, no, you are. And so of course she told that story at my wedding. She was like, well, I said you were going to marry him. You know? So I was like, oh my was, God. I know. And it was, she was so crazy because she really was like, just drunk and like kind of being funny, but she had this weird feeling about him. And so when I kept putting him off in the beginning, cause I wasn't ready to like, go there yet. And I was too afraid to get hurt. And I just kept going back to like, you know, the terrible comfort that I knew she was like, stop messing around. Like he really cares about you. Like he really wants to like be with you. Like, you know, I could see you with him. And I was like, I don't know how you think, you know, all this, like he's like brand new to my life, but she, it was just so funny. It's funny how people like different people know. Right. And he just, she just knew she was like, he's for you. You guys are going to have babies one day. And to be honest, you know, not to take away from, of course, the blessings of what our babies are, but I didn't even know if I wanted to be a mom. Like I really yeah. didn't think I'd be a good mom. I was so focused on my career. I just wasn't in that space for a long time. And yeah. Justin really was the reason that, you know, we even, you know, had our first daughter because he was always wanting a family. He told me from the minute he met me, like, that's a deal breaker. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess we'll see what happens, you know? And it just like, and now I think back and I'm like, wow, I'm so grateful that I wound up with him because I would never trade this life with my girls. Yes. So why didn't you think you were, you were going to be a good mom? I'm just you know, curious. I just, I don't know. I just, I, I think cause my mom was so hands-on and she, and, and she still is to this day. Um, and I, she was just a stay, you know, she was a stay-at-home mom. You know, her job was mom. You know what I mean? She didn't end up, she went to school, she got a degree and then she got pregnant with me while she was finishing college, which was a super surprise. Oops. Mm. And, you know, and um, she just went right into mom mode and she, you know, you know, made a sacrifice, but compromise, you know, and decided not to do anything else and just to raise me. And then shortly after came my brothers. And so I just always saw her so hands-on with myself and my brothers and was so selfless and gave to us constantly and, you know, didn't, you know, didn't work as far as like being out, you know, at a job and all these things. And I knew how career oriented I was. And I was just like, I could never be that selfless. Like I, I know I'm a little more selfish and I want to do the things I want to do. And I just don't think I'll be a good mom. And I was just afraid 
that I wouldn't be able to be a good mom to, you know, whoever came, you know, into my life. And I didn't want to give up my career either. And I also didn't want to not do right by my child. And mm-hmm. so for me, it just seemed like, oh, I maybe just won't do that. Like it just isn't in the cards for me. And now yeah. it's crazy because obviously I have my two girls and I like laugh at myself because I'm like, okay, it's super hard. And it's the hardest job in the world, as we all know, but it's the most rewarding to me. And like, I love my career and I love all the things I'm doing, but like the most joy I get out of life now are my two girls. Yeah, totally. So it's, know what you mean. it's so crazy, you know, but it's funny when you think back, right, to young you, that's why I was asking you, like, you know, going from the world that you were in, everything that you were around to right. then deciding to become a mom, like, I'm just curious, like, you know, you said you knew you wanted to be a mom, but like, was that a hard um, switch for you or did you feel ready or? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. And so like when we moved to New York, like I said, I had just, I think I had just turned 29 and we just kind of had to get used to the city and like make new friends. And we, you know, we both had different jobs and it was just kind of like nobody in New York at the time who was our age had kids. Like, it was like, that's for like adults. And like, we didn't feel like adults yet, you know? So I think had I stayed in Chicago, I probably would have started to have kids around that time. Cause that's when all my friends were doing it, but it was just like something about being in Manhattan and you know, you you know, you lived there, right? Um, it's just, it's different. It's a different energy. Oh, and, it's totally different energy. You know, you're just in it and you're just like submerged in it and you totally, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, city and I was in Hoboken and yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was finally like mid thirties where I was like, all right, like if, I guess if we're going to have kids, we should probably start to try now. But honestly, like I had no idea that after 35, your fertility kind of plummets. It's just like a fat, it's just like a scientific fact. You know, you're, you're just, they call it like geriatric, geriatric pregnancy after that point, which is so such a terrible term. And I hate that, but um, like who gave it that name? It must not be so bad. We need like a rebranding. Who would name something that, you know what I mean? Like it's terrible. So I had no idea, but so, you know, I got lucky that I started to try um, for our first kid when I was 34 and I did get pregnant after a couple months, no problems. Um, had her when I was 35. And then we were like, yeah, we probably want to have another kid, but like no rush. I mean, I still need to figure out how to navigate the world with one kid, much less two. And again, like, it's so funny because we talk about this. This is like a little foreshadowing, but on my podcast and stuff a lot, which is, you know, infertile AF, um, nobody was taught like in our generation, how hard it is to actually have a baby and how there's such a small window every month to actually have one. Like all we were taught was don't have sex without a condom or you're going to get knocked up. Like it was like the scared, scaring tactic basically. Right. You know, so we had no idea that it was going to be an issue. And then, you know, that moves into like a whole nother chapter that we can get into or not. But, um, you know, so I, it took me when my daughter was two and a half, we started to try and it took me almost four years to, have our second kid. So it was, I had, was diagnosed finally later with secondary infertility, which again, I didn't even know was a thing. Yeah. Um, Oh my gosh. And like, I'm sure, you know, especially because you got pregnant with your first, like pretty easily, you probably had no idea in your mind that you were going to go through such a battle and journey for your second. Yeah, you're exactly right. I had no idea. And no doctor even ever said that to me, which not to blame the doctors. I mean, I should have known myself, but it's just, 
interesting that nobody was like, hey, getting up there, like clocks a ticking, like inside your body, things are actually going to change if you don't try to do this sooner than later. I mean, nobody ever said that to me. Well, yeah. And I agree with you. It's like, don't, you don't have to blame the doctor, but just like a heads up, like, Hey, if you're thinking about, you know, having another one, like you may, you know, want to think about in the next few years or, you know, whatever it may be like just some kind of heads up. I feel like that's just such a disconnect in our like maternal health period. Like there's just so many conversations that just don't happen. Like, Oh, you you know, aware of that or, Oh, by the way, you should be doing this for your body while you're pregnant because it'll be easier than to have the baby or, you know, with me, like, Oh, you know, you could have a C-section, but no one ever told me like I was going to, I could have a C-section with, you know, Mm -hmm. Amelia. And then thank God, like I educated myself and I was able to have a V-back with Arlie. And like, I'm so grateful because like now the chance of me, if I decide to have another one, I can hopefully have another vaginal. And like, nobody yeah. talks about but, like, you know, people like to say C-section, always a C-section. I just feel like there's so many disconnects. Oh, like completely. you saying that about like not feeling like you knew that just go yeah. on in our society Absolutely. as far as like the whole pregnancy and postpartum journey. Yeah. And also part of it with the, on the infertility tip is like, I was conditioned to seeing, and like you're a Hollywood person, like these people on the cover of Us Weekly that are like in their mid forties, like Halle Berry, for example, who's like having a baby at 47 and it's never discussed actually what went on behind the scenes and not not that it's her obligation, of course, to do that. But like, I feel like as women to not talk about the struggles and to not talk about the real shit that's actually happening, we're doing each other a disservice. Like- I really was, I mean, it's like, I feel like an idiot admitting it. I was completely clueless. I was like, yeah, people are getting pregnant in their forties all the time. Look at all these movie stars that are having babies late in life. Like I can do that. Like, that's what I thought. And I agree with you, but it's like, don't feel stupid because it's like, the thing is, is like our society, you know, up until about now, like has been all about celebrity culture. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and, and there's some great things about that, but there's also some negatives that, that, that what you just pointed out that you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes with them. You just see that, you know, the baby bounce back or you just see that they got pregnant and, you know, they're having their baby or, you know, this just happened and it's incredible. And it's like, okay, that is incredible for them, but they don't necessarily share their stories or their truths or what happened. Mm-hmm. And you're left to think, oh, well then that's just normal because that's what's being put in front of me. And that's what I'm reading about. That's what I'm, you know, buying into. So you make a good point with that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it's, you know, again, it's like, I feel like people thankfully are talking about it more now people in the public eye, um, you know, Amy Schumer and Michelle Obama and Gabrielle Union. And, you know, so many people are coming out with their stories and being like, whoa, pump the brakes. It's actually not that easy. And this is what happened with me. So I think that's great. And that's part of the reason that I wanted to do this podcast where, you know, I share stories of women and men, you know, building, it's not just infertility stuff. It's anybody who's building their modern families in like a non-traditional way. So it's like gay couples, it's single mothers by choice. It's people that, you know, tried to have babies and then decided they didn't want to have kids after all. So now they're, you know, happy and childless, you know, it's just all the different scenarios that people are going through to, to create their version of a modern family. And yeah. it's been so interesting because there's so many different stories and so many different things people go through. Right. Well, and there's just not one size that fits all, you know, it's just right. everybody is so different. So you yeah. know, back to your journey and being now, you know, a mom of two, your kids are how old? Yeah. So my daughter is 
going to be 11 um, next month, actually. And my son, who I finally did have after four miscarriages and one round of IVF, um, he is four and a half. Okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, would you mind sharing with us a little bit more about your journey as far as, you know, um, actually, you know, getting pregnant and kind of just take us through a little bit of, you know, what that um, infertility, you know, what that looks like and, you know, the process of what you end up having to go through and, you know, just for, uh, you know, for others to know they're not alone and also Mm -hmm. or to educate, you know, and to potentially give resources to those that may be going through this or may go through this later on, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's something that honestly, I don't even think about because, you know, I've talked to my husband about us maybe having one more and, you know, I turned 35 this past July and I've said to him, I'm like, well, maybe we shouldn't wait too long because now, you know, from hearing all these kinds of stories and, and knowing this more, like maybe it is something I need to think about. But before that, even just before like getting pregnant, you know, with Amelia at 32, I didn't think anything about it. To me, it was like, whatever, if I'm going to do it, I'll do it later because I want to focus on my career and I want to focus on all these things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, like you said, there is something with the age and the body and everything. So mm-hmm. I would love you to share that with us and share your journey and your personal yeah. For sure. And again, thank you for asking me to share it because I do think it's so important because when I was going through it, you know, this was seven, eight years ago now, people really weren't talking about it. There wasn't like a whole Instagram community like there is now. There weren't a ton of podcasts. There weren't a ton of books. And again, like there weren't a lot of people in the public eye sharing their stories. So, you know, I've said this before and it's totally self-incriminating because I sound like a fucking idiot, but I thought IVF was like, I thought of like Octomom. Remember Octomom? Oh yeah. Like Uh I thought you did IVF when you wanted to have like multiples. Like when you, I thought it was a choice that you made to have like a litter of babies. And I know, and like, don't at me people who are listening because I know it's an idiotic way of thinking, but that's how clueless I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was something that women went through because something, you know, they had a medical issue. Like infertility is a disease. It's a, you know, there's obviously a lot that plays into it and people have it for different reasons, but it is medical. It's not like a choice. So that was the first thing that I learned, you know, when I was going through it, um, you know, I, and just to give you kind of the cliff's notes. So I had my daughter, like I said, a couple years later, we started to try for the second one. Um, you know, I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage. I was like, eh, I mean, I was obviously upset, but it was like everybody, I feel like everybody I knew had had a miscarriage. Is that how it is with you? Like, do you have a lot of friends who've had miscarriages? I do. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I have had a lot, but, um, I, I, you know, um, I feel like I, I, because again, of social media and different things, um, and people, you know, like talking about their beautiful rainbow babies, it's become more, um, you know, I don't want to say normalized, but just, you know, more in your face, more that you understand that it does happen way more often, even though it is still heartbreaking. So I understand you saying like, of course you were upset, but to you, you had had so many people around you that had them. So do you feel like because you had so many people around you that also had them, you weren't worried when you had your miscarriage? I wasn't worried that there was anything like medically wrong. I just was like, oh, bad luck. You know, um, I didn't get much of an explanation. It was very early miscarriage. So I didn't have a DNC. They didn't like biopsy any of the tissue or anything like that, which 
you know, some people do later when they're further along. Um, and I don't mean to like breeze past it. Like it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was, you know, I was devastated, but again, it was like, okay, a lot of people have gone through this, you know, and then I had a second one. And again, it was like, oh, okay, well, this is not good. And then I ended up having two more. And, th- wow. and it was at that point where I was like, okay, something's wrong. Like something's either wrong. You know, this could be male factor. This could be female factor. Um, but what was going on behind the scenes too with my husband and I was like, this is not easy on a relationship either because oh, yeah. you know, men and women, as you know, like go through things like this in different ways. I was kind of devastated. You know, we, the thing about secondary infertility that's so tricky is that you have a lot of guilt because you already have a kid. So you almost feel like it's not as serious as somebody that maybe doesn't have a kid that's going through infertility. But what I've learned, or at least what I believe is that comparing yourself to somebody else's journey is just a bad move. Nobody's going to get anything good out of that. So like if my advice to anybody listening would be don't compare your journey to somebody else's don't say, but I already have a kid, so it's not that bad and I'm not hurting or like I had a miscarriage, but I was, it was really, really early. So it's not that big of a deal. It's like a loss is a loss and it's okay to feel pain no matter what point you're at and no matter how far along you are, even if you don't get pregnant, it's still a loss. It's a loss of the dream that you have. It's a, you know, it's a loss of what you want to happen. So I, I don't think that women give themselves enough space sometimes to really grieve that because it's really hard. And, you know, it's almost like you have to admit that you're in pain and going through a hard time and get the help that you need to properly move on. Like, I think a lot of times, you know, we women think we're so strong and we are, my God, we are, but like asking for help doesn't make you not strong, you know? Absolutely. And I love that you said that because asking for help actually makes you strong. When we, when we allow ourselves, in my opinion, to feel weak and to feel vulnerable and allow that to actually play out and not just kind of sit in it. When you ask for help, you actually receive strength. And not only do you receive strength for yourself, but most likely you give it also to others because you're giving permission to actually be able to experience that and let go of that shame and know that it is absolutely okay to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, um, you know, we were we were going through this and f- my husband and I were fighting a lot because I had this like guttural, like deep, deep in my heart of hearts feeling that like I just wanted to have another baby. And it wasn't because my daughter wasn't enough. It was because she was so wonderful that I wanted to do it again. Does that like it's kind of hard to explain, but Hopefully that makes sense. Like, because like, it makes sense. I mean, it's like I said to my husband the other night to Justin, I said, you know, we were putting stuff away and baby clothes and whatnot that don't fit Arlie already anymore. And I said to him, you know, what do you want to do with all this? And he's like, well, I don't know. You want to just like, you know, give it to some people or this and that. And I said, well, I said, you know, are we definitely done? And he's like, well, I don't know. And I said, well, then if we're not sure, then, you know, we should just put it to the side for now. And then if it's not another girl, then, you know, of course, you know, give it and donate it and the whole thing. And it made me realize, like, even though it's chaos right now and I'm exhausted with two, like, 
they are so beautiful and they are so wonderful. And I mm-hmm. do consider having another one. So that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was at. And I just like, you know, like I said, it was, it was started to really wear on our relationship because we got to a point where my husband saw me in so much pain and I was getting depressed and feeling, you know, broken and alone. And even though I had tons of friends and family around me, I didn't have anybody that was going through what I was going through. So I still felt really alone. Like I just couldn't find anybody to connect to. And like I said before, like there wasn't like an online community. There were some Facebook groups, but nothing I really could like, I just couldn't find my people. You know what I mean? Like it was like, uh, um, so anyway, we, you know, he and I were fighting a lot and we got to a point where I wanted this so badly. And he, not that he didn't ever want another kid cause he did, but he didn't want it as badly as I did. And he was like, if this is it and we're like a family of three, like I'm good. And I was like, I'm not. And we were kind of like at an impasse. Like we just couldn't see eye to eye. And I remember we were in the car one day and I was like, are we going to like make it? And he was like, I don't know. And like, literally that's how like dark it got. It was like, I didn't, our marriage like was so rocky because I was laser focused on this. And I just, and I remember saying to him, I wish I didn't want this so badly, but I can't deny my feelings, you know, like, cause me wanting it was fucking everything up, but I couldn't not want it, you know? Yeah. So it was, re- it got really complicated and dark. And I finally started seeing a therapist and that helped a lot. Um, and yeah, so basically, you know, we kind of, my husband and I, after lots of fights and lots of tears and, you know, I was like, he's like, we can't keep going on like this. And you keep getting pregnant, having miscarriages. And I was like, what if we did IVF? And he was like, no. And I'm like, well, can we, can you even like come to the doctor and have a consultation? And he's like, fine. So we did. And he like begrudgingly came and basically the doctor was like, you know, did an ultrasound and was like, well, you're like the perfect candidate for IVF because you have a lot of eggs, but not a lot of them are good. But our job and what I can do is find the good ones. And there's nothing wrong with your husband's sperm and you should be able to have a healthy baby if we can create an embryo. So it's, I was like, sounds good to me, like sign me up. And Vince, my husband still wasn't concerned. So it took a while to get him on board, but we finally compromised that we would do one round and he's like, all right, we'll do it because if it's expensive too. And I was going to say, it is so, from what everyone's told me and what I've read, it is so expensive. Yeah. It's, and we didn't have insurance covering any of it. Right. So it was completely out of pocket. Um, we had, we like real talk, my mom and dad donated some money to us or gave money to us. And Vince's parents also were like here because we couldn't afford it on our own, wow. which is the reality for so many people, you know? Um, so we, anyway, we agreed to do one round of IVF. We did it. This is, um, end of 2014. Um, we got super crazy lucky because, um, you know, at the end you go through like the egg retrieval and then the eggs, some of them don't mature and you watch them for a number of days and then you have embryos at the end and then we got the embryo we had five embryos we got five embryos tested four of them came back genetically um abnormal meaning you know they weren't going to produce healthy babies or i would have a miscarriage one of them was healthy so we did a transfer and you know transferred that one embryo and in like a 
crazy, crazy twist, it worked and I got pregnant and I had my son. So it was like the odds were so not in my favor. The number, you know, it's a a lot of this is a numbers game. And my doctor's like, well, you know, don't like keep your hopes up, but like, don't be disappointed if it doesn't work, you know, like it's just, it is what it is. So we did get really, really lucky. And I had my healthy son in the end of 2015. So we did have a happy ending, but you know, it didn't come without a lot of heartbreak along the way. And I still have total PTSD from the whole experience. Like I still see Pampers commercials and I get like sick to my stomach because I would, because I would see them when I was going through it and it would make me so sad that like I couldn't have a baby, you know, like when you want a baby and you can't have one, it is so sad. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. And congratulations. And I know it's obviously a very congratulations because your son is, you know, much older now. (laughs) He's like taller than me now. I love it. But like, congrats on being able to have him and pursuing through and you and your husband working through and everything and being so honest about that. I'm curious, like when you were going through the actual, you know, journey and, you know, you had the transfer and, you know, the baby was transferred and everything, did your body receive right away? And did you know that most likely everything would be fine? Like, how was that pregnancy for you in comparison to your first pregnancy with your daughter? That's such a good question. Um, yeah. So, you know, you have the transfer and then they call it the two week wait, you know, cause the, they want you, they want to test you after 10 days to two weeks. So, you know, you go into it, it's called like the, the acronym for it is like PUPO, like pregnant until proven otherwise. Cause you technically uh-huh. are, okay. but then you find out like if you really are and if the embryo is growing. Um, so I didn't do, I'm not like an early tester. I didn't do, I totally played by the rules. Cause I was like, we've come this far. I'm not going to like, I didn't want to early test and have it be negative and then false negative or false positive, or I don't know. So I just waited. Um, but then when we, um, when I did find out I was pregnant, it was like a sigh of relief, but then that's a, the other funny thing about infertility is like, even when you get pregnant, you still can't really relax because you're like, this is the, you know, you reach the mark where you're like, well, this is when I lost that other pregnancy or I've never been pregnant past X amount of weeks or whatever. So it's like, you're happy, but it's with totally guarding your heart at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it was. Like I was never really able to, I was, I think I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I think this is actually going to happen. But it certainly wasn't like with my first pregnancy where I was like footloose and fancy free and like drinking wine and like not giving a shit and, you know, like not realizing actually, you know, what I was going to be going through later in life. Yeah. Wow. And so now, you know, thank God you got, you know, ending you wanted and you have your two. How is it now being a mom of two? It's good. It's really good. I mean, I think part of the reason, like nobody really sets out to have a six and a half year spread between their kids, but I think in our case it, um, I mean, or if some people do God bless, like it works out, but, um, you know, it's with us, it's been good because my daughter was old enough that she could help me out when he was an infant and, you know, they have, she has a very protective, she kind of doesn't know exactly what I went through, but now that I have the podcast and fertility rally, and I'm always talking about it, I think she kind of knows how hard it was for me to have him. So I feel like she, 
by default, she almost has like a more protective thing towards him as her like baby brother that was like this kind of miracle baby, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, like having two is insane. It's like, totally. I, I don't know up from down. Um, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we just have a million things going on um, at once for, for, yeah. well, and I want you to um, quickly talk about, um, like you just said, the fertility rally, like, so because of your and everything that you obviously went through and everything else, and you started your podcast, you know, and now you also have this rally. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. Thank you so much for asking. So yeah, um, I'll do it quickly. We, um, I met another woman in the infertility community. Her name is Blair Nelson, and she had a podcast too. It's called Fab Fertility. We became friends and we both realized that like, there's so many amazing people who are in this infertility community. It's like people, you know, because part of it is like, everybody's goal is to give life and like everyone's coming from a place of love. So there's like just a lot of big hearts and a lot of generosity and people want to help each other out. So um, Blair and I decided that we wanted to form Fertility Rally, which basically is a um, membership site for people that are going through this um, or building their families, you know, in a different way kind of like I said before. And it's a community where we have like searchable members. Um, It's a content hub. So we've got like blogs and podcasts and Q and A's and videos. And, um, you know, basically it's, it's also, we do curated events. So we do four support groups a month. We do like 30 plus um, uh, events, like curated events per year. Like for example, the other night we did a super surrogacy event where we had three different people from that had gone through surrogacy giving their perspectives on it. And it's just kind of an informational like zoom call. And it was really great. So basically it's like me, Blair is actually still going through IVF. She doesn't have kids yet. And I'm kind of out the other side for lack of a better term. So we're both coming at it from these angles where I'm like, what would I want? What would I, what would have I wanted when I was going through it? And she's like, what do I need right now? And with those two perspectives, I think we're able to create like this content and this support that, you know, all these people out there can get. So um, it's been awesome. We launched on June 1st. We have almost 250 members from around the world. We have a member in New Zealand, which is crazy that I love. Um, And it's just women that are hurting and looking for friends and looking for support. And, you know, some people have already gone through infertility and have joined to just become almost like mentors and give back and be there for people. Um, A lot of people are just starting out and don't know anything. And, you know, we kind of see fertility rally as like a one-stop shop where it's like, if you're diagnosed with something and you don't know where the hell to turn, you can come to us and we've got it all. You don't have to go down the Google rabbit hole. You don't have to like Google, how do I give myself this injection? Because we have videos that show you exactly how to do it. Um, And I think one thing that we like to do is like, this is, we call it the worst club with the best members because it's like, nobody wants to fucking be in this club. (laughs) But if we're in it, we're going to at least like rally together and support each other. So one thing that we do differently, I think, than some of the other things out there is we'd like to make it fun wherever we can. You know, we have happy hours where you can drink or not drink. We try to bring levity to this like shitty situation wherever we can. Um, Cause you know, it's like, it's 
doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. We can find like the good points. And I think that, you know, as you, as you well know, going through something and being able to laugh when you can, like really helps. So that's kind of our MO. And um, we're also doing a big event in October, Fertility Rally Live, which is going to be a virtual event where we have a full day of panels and programs and surprises and giveaways and really cool speakers. So um, we're planning that right now. And it's been, it's been really exciting. That's amazing. Well, thank you yeah. so much for space for, you know, moms who are going through this or may go through this. Um, I just think it's amazing that you're so, you know, raw about it, but like so badass and real at the same time. And you've just rallied an incredible community around you to all be there, you know, for each other. Because obviously that's really what motherhood is all about is finding your tribes and supporting each other. I mean, that's how you and I connected from our Hey Mama tribe. And yes. It's just, it's just so, I love seeing that, you know, from women. I just love what you're doing. So tell us where we can find you and follow you, find your podcast, all that good stuff. Thank you so much again. Um, so yeah, the Fertility Rally, we're on Instagram. It's at the Fertility Rally. Um, we have a website, which is fertilityrally.com. Sorry, wait, I just gave the wrong Instagram. It's at Fertility Rally, um, not the, it's at Fertility Rally. Um our Instagram is, yeah, at Fertility Rally. Our website is fertilityrally.com. We also, it's, you don't have to become a member. It's, there's a free site with tons of content as well. Um, anybody can always reach out to me through my podcast, which is called Infertile AF. And that Instagram is at Infertile AF Stories. Um, I answer all my DMs. Sometimes it takes a minute, but if people have questions or need help or like, anybody wants to jump on a call. Like I've honestly, I'm always, always available. Um, and just always, I know how people that are going through this feel and I just want to like give back and like, let them know that like, they don't have to go through this alone. It doesn't have to suck so badly. I love that. Well, thank yeah. you so much, Allie. And again, oh my God, bad name. So I knew you, I knew you were going <laughs> to I knew we would get along. I was so looking forward to this. So thank you so much, you know, for sharing all that. And of course, cheers. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired. 